In Rashi's Pirush on the Pasuk, Yignoiv if a person steals a bull or a sheep and he shechts it or he sells it, he has to pay five cattle instead of each ox, instead of each bull. For and four sheep instead of a sh- four sheep instead of each lamb. Rashi brings two reasons why the payment for tvicha and mechira for slaughtering and for selling are by an ox more than a sheep, as the pasuk says that he has to pay five times for each ox and four times for each sheep. Amar Rabbi Yochanan and Zakeh, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakeh explained. Chas hamokim al kvodin shabriyas that Hashem takes into consideration. Hashem is concerned about the dignity of His creations, and therefore, the ox that was walking by itself, and therefore the ganav was not disgraced to have to carry it on his shoulder, so therefore he pays five. On the other hand, the sheep, which he actually had to carry on his shoulder, so he only has to pay four times as much because he was disgraced already by having to carry it, and therefore he pays one time less. Amar Abmeir Abmeir explained, come along and see, how great, how important the power of work is. Shoir, the ox, which caused that the owner shouldn't be able to do work. So now, therefore, he has to pay more, he has to pay five. On the other hand, the said the sheep, which didn't really cause a loss of work for the owner, from, so therefore, he only has to pay four. Says the Rebbe, we need to understand. Number one, why does Rashi need to have two reasons? Number two, as discussed many times, when Rashi brings the name of the one who said it, it's only in order to add some explanation to his pirush. In our case, what is being added by the fact that Rashi tells us that these reasons were said by Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and by Rabbi Meir? Point number three, from the fact that Rashi says the expression Omar Rabbi Meir and not Rabbi Meir Oimeir, we're about to see now that this implies that there's no machloikas. The Rebbe says, especially where in most places where these very two opinions are brought, in other words, the sources for Rashi, the girsa actually is that Omar, in other words, the first one is being said that so-and-so said, and then it says, the second one, Oimer, says, which is more a, an, an, uh, an expression of a machloikas, whereas Rashi chooses the, the girsa the version that by both opinions it says Omar, Rab, so-and-so, which implies that there is no machloikas. In other words, what's understood from this is that Rashi is of the opinion that according to Pshat, there's actually no machloikas between these two opinions. Rather, each one is just saying another aspect. Each one is saying another point. Says the Rebbe, it's not understood. Seemingly, Rabbi Yochanan and Zake and Rabbi Meir are not only different in their reasons that they're given, giving, in other words, that each one is just giving a different explanation. But furthermore, if you think about it, these two reasons are actually opposites to each other. And the Rebbe explains, according to the reason Rabbi Yechonim and Zakai, the knas for slaughtering it or for selling it should have really been five, both for the ox and for the sheep. We're taking off one-time payment for the sheep since the gun of the thief ended up having some sort of embarrassment, some sort of disgrace, because he had to carry it. On the other hand, according to Rab Meir, what comes out is that really the knas should have been four. But by the ox, we're actually adding an extra time because of the reason that he caused the owner a loss of work. So how could we say that there's no argument over here and we just use the term Omar? regarding both of them, rather than saying Rabmeir Meir Oimer, when in fact there's a difference between these two opinions, 
in the amount of how much they are each of the opinion, how much the knas should have been to start with, if not for the additional reason, which is either going to decrease the knas by one time or increase the knas by one time. The Rebbe says another question we have is the order of the two opinions that Rashi brings. In the, the places that bring these two opinions of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir, Rabbi Meir, these other places actually bring Rabbi Meir first and then Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, which is the opposite of the way Rashi brings it. Why does Rashi change the order and put the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai first? Now seemingly you'd be able to answer that this is based on what we explained before of the opinion of, of, the, of the theme and the difference between these two opinions. That we said that according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the main knas would have been five and sometimes we reduce. According to Rabbi Meir, the main knas is four and sometimes we increase it. So since in the Torah it says first, Hamisha Bakr, first it speaks about the five, and then about the four sheep, so therefore it's logical to say that the Torah is first putting what the main knas would be, in other words the five, and then coming along and saying that for a sheep, for some reason we are taking off some, and therefore it's only four. So according to this would f- come out that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's opinion is more in accordance to the simple pshat of the Pasuk. Because again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is the one that says five. And that's the first thing in the Pasuk. And according to this, we can understand why Rashi, who's Pshut Mikra, would first put the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai before the opinion of Rabbi Meir. However, says the Rebbe, we still need to understand, if that's the case, Rashi should have just completely... Um, uh, avoided bringing the opinion of Rab Meir. He didn't need the opinion of Rab Meir at all. He could have just brought the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Says the Rebbe, the explanation of all of this is as follows. If we should say that the main reason, that the main payment of the knas is actually five, and the fact that we are taking off uh, one time by the seb, by the sheep, is because of the disgrace that the Ganev had, the question would then be, Yes, it's very, very nice that we're taking off one time for the Ganev because he was disgraced, so we're giving him off a little bit. But the question is, why should the person who was stolen from, why should he lose out just because the Ganev was disgraced? What is he benefiting? What is he gaining from the fact that the Ganev was disgraced? Why is he going to lose out now one time? And this is why Rashi brings what Rab Meir says. Rab Meir says, that the ox had made him lose work, and therefore he's going to pay more. In other words, according to Rab Meir, what Rab Meir is saying is that really, the person who something was stolen from really shouldn't have gotten more than four. That's really what he deserves. It's only that for the ox, he's getting something more because because there was a loss of work, and therefore he ends up getting one more time in his payment. So again, in summary, according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the person, the Ganev should have been paying five, but sometimes we give him off. Reb Meir is saying that the person who was stolen from really only deserved to get four to start with. So the Rebbe explains. Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir Reb Meir are actually not arguing in how much the main knas is supposed to be. But each one is discussing something else. Each one is discussing the knas as far as whom it's concerned. When we're speaking about the wrong that the Ganev had done, that the thief had done, and therefore how much he should pay, what kind of punishment does he deserve? He deserves a punishment of five. Sometimes we'll take off one, that's by the sheep, because since he was disgraced, he was embarrassed, and therefore, as far as his punishment is concerned, we are reducing the punishment somewhat. However, if we're speaking about the person who was stolen from, 
How much was he wronged? How much does he deserve? This is where Rabbi Meir is teaching us, that his knas really what he deserves is for. It's only that since for a shayr there was an additional loss, we're taking into account also the fact that there was a loss of work, and therefore we are adding to the main knas. So in other words, in summary, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is speaking as far as the ganav is concerned, and therefore he says what well, the ganav should be paying is five. Rabbi Meir is saying as far as the nignav, as far as the person who was stolen from, what he usually deserves is four. And again, in each case, according to one, sometimes we'll add and sometimes we will reduce. Says that Rebbe now will have even more explanation why Rashi brings the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai before Rabbi Meir. Because if we're looking as far as the order of what happens in payment, that's exactly what happens. We first start speaking about the Ganev. He is going to become obligated and pay whatever he needs to pay. And then the person who was stolen from is going to get the payment. And this is exactly why Rashi puts the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai first. In other words, the opinion as far as the Ganev is concerned first which is to pay five and sometimes we take off one, and only then comes what Rabbi Meir says, which is the opinion that the Nignav, the person who is going to get the payment, the person who was stolen from, he usually gets four and sometimes we add one. Says the Rebbe, now it also makes sense, we can understand why the Torah emphasizes more the five being put first, because again, the Torah is first and foremost speaking about now, not so much about how much the other person is going to get, but we're first discussing the Ganev, how much he needs to pay. Says the Rebbe, we said earlier that when Rashi brings the names of the Bali HaMemris of the ones who said each opinion, it's coming to help and explain something more in his Pirush. So in our case, the fact that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai emphasizes the Knas as far as it's coming from the Ganev, and as we just saw, if we're speaking about the Ganev, there's going, it's going to be more strict. That usually the Knas is going to be five. Reb Meir, on the other hand, speaks about the Knas as it's Shaykh, as it's relevant to the person who was stolen from. And it ends up that he is more makil, he is more lenient. He's saying that the main Knas is four, and sometimes we add one. So this fits very well with their Shitois elsewhere. So how does this apply over here? So in Mesech the Babakama, and the same thing in the Medrash Tanchuma, these two statements of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and Rabbi Meir, which we're speaking about, come following to, a, to another statement that they say in regards to the difference between a Ganev and a Gazlan. And just to remind, as a reminder, Ganev is the thief that comes in, in hiding quietly. Gazlan is the person that comes out in the open. So we know that a Ganev usually needs to pay, Koifel needs to pay double. Or in some cases, he'll have to pay four and five if it was an ox or a sheep and he stole it and or he shechted it or he sold it. But a gazlin, a person that comes out in the open, always just pays the original amount, the principal amount. There is no double, there's no four and five, etc. So says the Gemara, and the same thing as we said, says in the Tanchuma. Shalu Talmidovitz Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's Talmidim asked him, Why is it that the Torah is more strict with the Ganev than the gazlin? So he responded, in the case of the Gazlan, in a certain sense, he is giving the same amount of honor, respect. He's treating the same. The master and the servant meaning, Hashem, and people. Whereas the Ganev is not giving them and treating them in the same way. In other words, he's worried about people and not worried about Hashem. And in fact, he brings about this three psukim, which we'll see about later in the Sikha. 
So this is what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said. Omar Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir said, Marshal, Marshal, Meshum, Rabbi Gamliel, a Marshal was given in the name of Rabbi Gamliel, what is this compared to? Two people that were in a city, they made a feast. One invited the people of the city, but he did not invite the children of the king. And the second one did not invite neither the people of the city nor the children of the king. So which one is going to get a bigger punishment? Obviously, the person that's inviting other people of the city and not inviting the children of the king. So the Rebbe says there's a number of diyukim within these uh, two pirushim over here, as will be understood based on what we're about to explain. Now, what's the difference actually between what Rabbi Meir is saying in this marshal and the explanation that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai gave? So the Rebbe says this is understood very, very simply. In Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's words, what's mainly emphasized is the fact that the Ganev is lacking the fear of Hashem. In other words, he fears Hashem even less than he fears people. And therefore, what he had done wrong is, as Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai concludes, he says, Kavayochel, he's making it out as if the word is ayin shalmata. This is a euphemism speaking about for Hashem. In other words, he's pretending, he's making it out as if Hashem can never, can't see him. So in other words, the main thing that's wrong over here is the ganev of how he is looking at Hashem. But in the words of Rabbi Meir, the main emphasis is on the fact what the ganev, based on the way he's acting in this hidden way, what he is showing is more honor, more respect for the person who he's stealing from, more than for Hashem. In other words, let's look at the moshul. What's happening? He is inviting the people of the city and he's not inviting the children of the king. So in other words, again, what's the main point over here? That Rabbi Yochanan and Zaka is mainly looking at in the Ganev's, to the Ganev, in other words, what he, how he is acting in how much he does or does not fear Hashem. Whereas Rabbi Meir is looking more about the Nignav of, of how much honor was, was taken away or the, was not given to these children of the king. Says the Rebbe, the same thing over here, the Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir, Rabbi Meir are not really arguing between each other. And this is obvi again obvious in the fact that it just says Omer Rabbi Meir, it doesn't say Rabbi Meir Omer. In other words, each one is focusing again on a different aspect of the matter. Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir is mainly discussing the wrong as it's coming from the Ganev. In other words, the fact that he, how wrong he is acting towards it in, in, as far as his respect or his fear of Hashem. The only reason why Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says he, did, he, did, he didn't equate, he didn't compare the honor of the servant to the honor of the master, and over here, of course, when we're speaking about the servant, we're speaking about the person who was being stolen from, this is only as an introduction to prove the point that here we have a Ganev that is completely denying the concept of Hashem's supervision. And he's pretending as if Hashem can't see. But his main focus again is on the Ganev's attitude. On the other hand, Rabbi Meir, he's taking into consideration also how the nignav, how the person who was stolen from is being treated. And therefore, the conclusion is that here we have a ganav that's giving more honor to the nignav, to the person who was stolen from, or in, this, in his marshal case, it was the people of the city, rather than what he's giving to the Abishtor and the marshal that would be the children of the king. Says Rebbe, this fits so well with what we said before that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai again is mainly looking as far as the Ganav is concerned. On the other hand, Rabbi Meir is mainly concerned with the Nignav of how the person who was stolen from. Says the Rebbe, this difference between Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and Rabbi Meir in explaining why the Torah was more strict regarding the Ganav than the Ganzlim will also help us understand not only why it is that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is mainly speaking about the Ganav and Rabbi Meir is speaking more about the Nignav 
but it will also help us understand the difference in why in it, the, the, the connection between once we're speaking about the Ganev and the Nignav, why it is that the main Knas is going to be four or five. And the Rebbe explains, according to Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, that the main wrong, the main thing that has happened was the Ganev's lack of emuna in Hashem's Hashgacha. In other words, again, that he's saying as if Hashem cannot see. According to this will come out that when we come to the Knas, we also mainly have to look at how severe the sin, the crime of the Ganav was, and therefore we're going to give him a more severe, a more serious punishment. It's going to be Chamisha, it's going to be five. That's the main punishment. But according to Rab Meir, that the main hate that we discuss over here is more going to be speaking about his lack of respect for the person who we took from, in other words, we're mainly speaking about the nigna of the person who we stole from, says that this itself would be a reason why if we're thinking about the fact that yes, he did treat the nigna with more respect than Hashem, that's true. Says again, as far as his punishment is concerned, maybe he should have gotten more, but if we speak about from the perspective of the person who was stolen from, in this case, I actually had more respect to the person we st- stole from, again, more than Hashem, and therefore will be more lenient in this case as far as the Nignav's, again, as far as the Nignav's payment that he's getting is because the bottom line is the Nignav also got some respect. Says the Rebbe, according to all of this, the reason why Rashi is bringing Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai and Rabbi Meir is only to explain, in other words, give us an additional explanation why it is that, uh, that we're looking mainly at either the Ganev and therefore it's going to be Hamisha, that would be Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, and the other opinion, Rabbi Meir, would be that we're looking mainly on the Nignav, and therefore the main punishment is, is Arba is four. However, the Rebbe says it will be even more Gishmak if we could say that when Rashi brings these names, he's coming to actually add explanation to their Savaris itself. In other words, it's not only, in other words, like this, that Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai is coming to say that we're taking off in the payment by a sheep because of the fact that he was embarrassed. And that Abmeir says that we are going to take the cons- into consideration the fact that he t- took away work from him, and that's why we're adding to the payment that this is all also connected to a machloikas elsewhere. Says the Rebbe, we're going to explain, understand this by first the, looking a little bit more into the words of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai and asking some questions on this and trying to understand the reasoning of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai. So, number one, why is it that Toyota would make the difference in the payment between Shoir and Seh? only in the case when he actually slaughtered it or sold it. Seemingly, this reason for the difference, that he was embarrassed, happens right at the moment of when he stole. In other words, when he steals a shoyer, an ox, the embarrassment, the disgrace isn't going to be as great, and by the sheep there's going to be more of a disgrace. So seemingly, this difference between the payment for the shoyer and seh should happen immediately for the gneva itself, not only if he goes ahead and sells it or slaughters it. In other words, the fact that when usually you have to pay double, so why shouldn't there be a difference right over here between a sheep and an ox? Number two, bizarre embarrassment only applies when there is someone else there to witness it in front of whom you're going to be embarrassed. Says the Rebbe, how does it make sense to say that there is an embarrassment by stealing the sheep if it, the whole point was, we said that a Ganev is doing everything in hiding, in private, and actually no one saw him when he stole it. Point number three. Why does Rashi need to start off with saying, how Hashem, how Hashem is so concerned with the honor, with the dignity of his creations? 
Seemingly, it would have been enough just to start with the words, Shorish Oilech of the ox that had gone with his, by itself. So there's no embarrassment, etc. And finally, the Rebbe says, if already we're giving this introduction, seemingly it would have fit, especially in Pshut Mikra, the Girsa that says in the Tanchuma. There it doesn't say that Hashem is Chos Al-Kvodin Shol There it says Chos HaKadosh Baruch that Hashem had Rachmanus. Hashem takes into consideration and concern Afilu Al-Ganav. Now the Pesach over here is speaking about a Ganav. Whereas when we use the word Briois as the word that Rashi uses, does not necessarily describe a very, very lowly person and a criminal, a sinner, a Ganav or the like. It's just an expression that shows that someone doesn't necessarily have the greatest Milois, doesn't have many qualities, as the expression that the Rebbe brings from Tanya, Briois Baalman, in other words, he's just a creation of Hashem. But why doesn't Rashi choose the Girsa that was speaking clearly about the fact that Hashem is having Rachmanus even on a Ganav? Says the Rebbe, the explanation is, yes, it's true that at the time of the Gneva, there was no embarrassment because he did it in hiding, as we said earlier. However, once we catch the Ganev and we bring him to Bastin and everyone finds out that he had stolen, and when he had stolen, he had to carry this sheep on his shoulder. It's right over here when everyone finds this out. That's exactly when the disgrace and the embarrassment is. Says the Rebbe, this is why this embarrassment will only be if there was tvicho mechirif, there was slaughtering or selling, not by gneva itself. Why is that? Because when the Basin is going to assess just the gneva, there's really actually no difference what the item was per se. In other words, what we're mainly concerned was is just the worth of it. We're not even asking exactly, was it a vessel, was it a sheep, was it an ox? All we're concerned about, what was the actual practical loss? As Rashi writes later, that really everything is included in the payment of koifel, whether it's something living, whether it's not, etc. It's only once there's a situation of slaughtering or selling, which as Rashi brings, that this only applies with an ox or a sheep. So this is when, he, when they come to Bastin, with the claim that he shechted it, or he sold it. So now it's going to have to be discussed very, very clear what it was that he stole. And therefore, if it's a sheep, there's clearly a greater disgrace, a greater embarrassment. And therefore, as we said, he's going to pay less. However, says the Rebbe, if that's the case, then something is not so smooth over here. Since this bizoyan, since this embarrassment, is not actually that anybody saw him carrying the sheep. And we're only finding it out later when he's being brought to Bastin. So why should we take off that much because of seemingly such a small embarrassment, such a small disgrace? It wasn't even at the time people saw it. And therefore Rashi has to start off with the first words of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai. That is a special Rachmanus, a special concern that the Abishter has a special compassion on the dignity of creations. That is, in other words, even though according to the letter of the law, maybe we shouldn't have taken off so much with such a little embarrassment. But Hashem has special Rachmanus on the honor of the Briois. And because of Hashem's Rachmanus, he's being lenient in the payment even because of a small disgrace. Says the Rebbe, now we're going to understand why it says Briois and not a Ganav. Says the Rebbe, because the truth of the matter is based on this, we can't know al that Hashem would have had such big Rachmanus on a Ganav as the Gears of the Tanchuma. And that's why Rashi has to change it. Why is that? Because since this bizoyin, this embarrassment is happening only much later, once he's coming to Bastin, quite a bit of time after the Gneva, there was already enough time for him to slaughter it and to sell it. Then he had to be caught, he had to be brought to Bastin. Witnesses had to be, had to come, etc. 
So not only didn't he end up having any sort of benefit from the Gneva, rather he understands now he's going to have to pay so much more, four times or five times, etc. So at this time, definitely he had regret already for the Gneva. You can no longer call him a proper Ganev. And therefore, we cannot say that Hashem has Rachmanus on a Ganev. We wouldn't even know that. What we could say is that Hashem has Rachmanus generally on Brios, and Hashem has Rachmanus on everyone. But we can't necessarily say that even on a Ganev, because in our case, as we say, we're not even consider- considering him a Ganev anymore. Says the Rebbe, but the Talmud, Mamulach, the Talmud that's extra clever, could at the end of the day ask, at the, that Soif Soif, how could it be that the Kvoidun Shobriyas, that the honor of the Briyas, should matter so much that for such a little Bizoyan, for such a little disgrace, we should take off the worth of the whole animal? And this is why Rashi says that this was said by Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai. What does the Gemara say about Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai? Umrol of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai. A person never greeted him first. Even a goy in the marketplace would have never had a chance to greet him first. He always greeted everyone first. What do we see from here? That by Rabbi Yochanan Zakai, the concept of honoring, of giving respect to people, was so precious, was so dear, that it never happened that anyone should greet him first. And again, that's even a goy out in the marketplace. From here we can understand that how much more so in our case, where in the Ganev, as we said, is a person that definitely at this point had already true regret. He perhaps did a proper tshuva already for this Gneva. And therefore, surely, Rabbi Yechelem and Zaka would consider very much even a little tiny drop of his disgrace and therefore take off that full amount of the animal as a compensation. Now we move on to Rabbi Meir. The reason why Rashi brings Rabbi Meir's name in his pirush in connection to the svara of the shoyer that made him lose out on work. So again, going to understand this by Rashi bringing, before actually bringing the reason, he brings in the name of Rabbi Meir, come and see the power, how great work is. And again, here we have a few questions, seemingly. Number one, why is this introduction relevant to the expl- explaining these psukim? Number two, in the Gemara, by Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, it also says the words, in that case, so why? Does Rashi bring these words only by the Rab Meir's reason? He doesn't bring this expression by Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai's reason. And most importantly, the Rebbe asks, what's this great Chiddush that Rab Meir is even saying? Come and see the power of work. This seems to be a very, very obvious and understood thing that, of course, you have to pay for the loss of work. Furthermore, we even learned this earlier in this very Sedra. The Pasuk says, If a person caused harm to somebody else, there's one of the payments he has to give is something called Sheves. Rashi explains this is the fact that the person lost out on work because of his sickness. Rashi does not say over there, Says the Rebbe, the explanation of this is, according to Pshat, it makes sense to say that the loss that this person would have had from any benefits from the work that this ox could have done for him would have been already considered as part of the payment, in other words, would have been included, this is one of the things the person should have been paying for, by, for, for the Gneva, as part of the principle. Just like we said that a person has to pay, if he harms someone else, he has to pay him for the fact that he couldn't work. So according to Pshuto Shal Mikra, it makes sense to say that if you took away something that the person needed to work with, if that was stolen, you have to pay also for that loss of work. And Rashi doesn't even have to say it again over here because it's exactly the same reason. And therefore, this would apply not only to an ox where there is a 
actual benefit from the work that he's doing, but in truth, even a sef, even for a sheep, there should be such a payment as well, because there's a certain loss of benefits, of profits, that the person is having over here, whether it's for, for the wool that grows on the sheep, or other similar things. Just to point out, and over here, the Rebbe says that according to Halacha, of course, this might be different, whether you have to pay for that separately. But in Pshutish Mikra, it makes sense to say that you would have to pay for these losses as well. And this is where Abmeir is coming to say over here. Here's the Chiddush over here. That when we're speaking about paying for the loss of work by the Shoyer, we're not only speaking about the profit that he could have had. We're speaking about the actual fact that he could have been working and now he's not getting to do work. This is another payment that the Ganev has to pay the worth of the full ox. And the Rebbe says, and this is why Rashi has to bring where Abmeir says, Boy, you're a because we're coming to explain a whole new chiddush over here that the Ganev has to pay another full time for the ox, even though he paid already for the whole loss of including any profits that the person could have had because he couldn't have done the work and had profits from the ox. Boyer Eikam, is teaching us over here, was speaking about the importance of work in and of itself. In other words, malacha, work is something so, so, so important that for this, the fact that the owner couldn't be doing work the Ganav is now going to have to pay him a full extra time. Interesting over here in Ha'aro, the Rebbe brings over here also in Ha'aro 40, the Rebbe speaks about how Avram Avinu saw people being involved in work and how impressed he was in this, the actual fact that people are busy doing work. Says the Rebbe, but a Talmud Mamulach, again, an extra clever Talmud could still ask, yes, doing work might be an important thing, but seemingly... As far as this ox is concerned, and this owner, it's seemingly going to be only a minimal amount of time, both as far as the owner, and certainly as far as the life of a particular ox. And the Rebbe explains, the time of pl- plowing is at the very, very most just twice a year, so it's only certain hours in the day, etc., etc. Another thing, the knas of paying five times is, as we said, there's selling and also slaughtering. In fact, the Pasuk even says slaughtering before selling. Now, if the Ganev is, is um, shechting, is slaughtering the ox, it makes sense to say that we're speaking about an ox that really couldn't have been plowing or doing any other work. Because otherwise he would have held on to it or sold it. Why is he slaughtering it? So seemingly there isn't even so much bitul malacha at all over here. And therefore Rashi brings the name of the Bala Memra of Meir. Because Rabbi Meir goes according to his opinion against elsewhere that that we take even the minority, even small amounts and minority into consideration. And this is why the Torah is concerned over here even for, the, the, even if it's a small amount of oxen, that uh, those that are being shechted, regardless of the fact that maybe, maybe they're not even fitting for work or a little bit of work, etc., etc., now the Rebbe turns to Pnimi Yisatayra. Says the Rebbe in these statements of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir Rabbi Meir regarding how the, ga- the Torah is more strict with the Ganav than the Gazlin, we also have an Indian Alpi Pnimi Yisatayra. For the fact that the Ganav Kavayochel made that Hashem, as if saying Hashem cannot see, we said before that Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir actually brings three psukim. So the first pasuk he brings is Hoy Hamamikim Me'ashem Lastir Eitzov Ahoyah B'Machshach Maaseim etc. In other words, those people that think that they can hide from Hashem and they do things in the dark, they think Hashem cannot see in the dark. Another Pasuk, Vayoyimru, the people say, Lo Yirikov, Lo Yovin, Lo Keyakim, that Hashem cannot see. 
And then a third pasuk, Yomru, they say, Ozav Hashem is Ha'aretz, Hashem has abandoned the earth, Ve'ein Hashem roya, and Hashem cannot see. So the Rebbe asks, number one, why do we need to have these psukim? I mean, this idea to say that Hashem cannot see seems to be a very, very logical thing of how terrible this is. Why do we need to have psukim to describe how terrible this is? Number two, why do we need to have three psukim? And number three, the change of order, because the pasuk in Yecheskel that he just brings over here is after the pasuk of Tehillim. So the Rebbe says the explanation is that here we're speaking about a person that actually believes that there is an eye up above. But he's pretending, he's saying, as if the, he can't see, as if Hashem cannot see. How can it be that a maimin, a person that believes, could come up with such a strange mistake to think that as if Hashem's eye cannot see? For this, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai brings three psukim. This shows the order of the descent of the Ganev. The first pasuk is which means to say that he knows that there is an eye and he knows that there is an eye that sees. But he fools himself and he says like this, since the way things were created from above, Hashem created oil, Hashem created light so that you should be able to see. So this has achieved, this has accomplished all over that when is it that an eye could see is only when there is light but not in a situation of dark. Now, how could a person make such a foolish mistake to think that's going to be a difference between light and dark when we're speaking about Hashem's eye? That's based on a previous mistake, which is in, in, indicated in the Pasuk. In other words, he holds, he thinks, that Hashem cannot see things down here below. He thinks that Hashem is so, is so great, and he doesn't lower himself down, and he has no shaykhs to re'iyah gashmias, the physical sight. He thinks that in order to be able to see gashmias, it has to come down to a physical eye. And since Hashem is not a body, so chas v'shalom, Hashem is not begetted to see this physical world. Now, how can a person make such a silly mistake? <coughs> As the Pasuk itself goes on in those Pesukim and Tilim, don't you think that the person who created, the one who created eyes and ears, do you think he cannot see or hear? If Hashem is the one that created physical things, Surely, there's no reason to say that he cannot see in physical things. This is why Rabbi Yechel ben Zakkai brings the next Pesach. What this person thinks is that the whole world is too lowly for Hashem, that Hashem should be able to be found here. As the Pesach says, He thinks that Hashem is completely exalted and removed. And therefore, he thinks that Hashem has abandoned the earth. And Hashem does not see. Says the Rebbe, this is also where Rabbi Meir is hinting in his marshal that a Ganev is similar to the one who who doesn't invite the children of the king. Why is he speaking about the children of the king? In other words, this is a person that thinks that he's dealing over here with only children of the king, not with the king himself. He thinks that Hashem is so great and because of his greatness has given over the running of the world only into the hands of intermediaries as if to say these children of the king. Says the Rebbe, these three ideas, again, one lower than the other, is also how the Sahara comes to try to convince a person to rebel against Hashem. The first thing he says is, he tries to convince the person that Ozav Hashem is Ha'aretz, that Hashem is so exalted, Hashem is so removed from the world, Hashem is up in the heavens, and Hashem is not down here in this physical world, and therefore you can do whatever you feel like. But the Sahara is not happy, it doesn't suffice just with that itself. Because that's still not the full ultimate rebellion against Hashem. He's saying that Hashem is not found inside the world. 
So therefore he comes and says even more, Lo yirika, that Hashem does not see. In other words, that yes, Hashem is here in the world, because Hashem created the world, but Hashem cannot see, Hashem is not supervising the actions of the Tachtoinim of the people down here, because they're completely insignificant to Him. But even this is not the ultimate rebellion in Hashem yet, because He's still exalting Hashem. He's saying that Hashem's Re'iyah does not lower itself down into Yonim Gashmi because He's so great. So now the Yitzhara comes a step further. He's saying, no, Hashem sees even Gashmi as the things, but there's a difference between light and dark. Matters of Oyer and Kedusha, Hashem could see, because it matters to him. But the Yitzhara argues, but what kind of place would it be? How would it make sense that Hashem should be looking at matters of Choyshech, things that are opposite of Kedusha? And from this difference between Oyer and Choyshech and the Ruchni is the sense, then it is Nishtalshel, that the Ganev makes a further difference between the Oyer and the Choyshech and the Gashmi is the sense that Hashem Chas V'Sholoim cannot see when something is being done in the dark. Now that Rebbe looks at another aspect in the Moshul of Rab Meir, that he compares it, he compares the Gneva to this feast. And to explain the Rebbe says, Rab Meir is speaking about the time, as we said before, once the Ganav was caught already, he was brought to Bastin, and we said he surely had Charota on his Gneva already. So this is a concept of Iskafia Sitra Achra, <coughs> of bending, of, trend, of, of turning around and bending and subduing the Sitra Achra, which, as the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, that this becomes like matamim, like delicacies, like a feast, kvayochol, for Hashem. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya that there's different types of delicacies. There's those things that are lechatchila good, and then there is those things that vegam roshol, yoyim rod, that there's a special delicacy when they take from the rosha, from the bad, and transform it into, from the dark into light, and this is the greatest nachas ruach for Hashem. Says the Rebbe, it's from this feast that we make now for Hashem. By the avoid of Iskaf, Yisitra Achra, we are zoichet to the Seudah of Levyasen, L'asid Lavoyu, B'karev Mamesh.